Howdy, Star Wars comic book lovers and true believers, and welcome to the Star Wars Spinner Rack, your monthly podcast about those comics from a galaxy far, far away. That's right, you've turned into the only Star Wars comic book show I know of. Wait, that can't be right. There has to be others. Is there others? There are others. There are others. I can't remember where. I, I just heard about another one. That reviews the comics? Them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I haven't uh, listened to them. I, w- I would like to listen I to them. I would suggest... Uh, <laughs> Star, Star Well, Star Wars Beyond the Films does an excellent, 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 excellent oh, job. Yeah, but they cover all continuities and yeah. legends and yeah. publishing. It's one of the best. It's probably the best... Uh, I, I guess it's not Expanded Universe podcast, but it's... Uh, what is it called now? Other than Leg- movies. Leg- oh, canon. <laughs> or... Yeah, it's hard to describe. <laughs> Leg- I guess it's all canon. It's yeah. ca- all canon. Right? Canon and Legend, I think, is the only two. Star Wars Beyond the Films. It's it's a really good podcast. Oh, yeah. Herleman and... Herleman and Nathan P. Butler. Yep. No, no, no. I know that. But is there anyone that does just specifically Star Wars comics? Hey, listeners, if there are, hey, send them to me. I want to hear them. We want to hear them. You know, I believe... I think we all believe that the fan community is much stronger than we all support each other. Um, but anyway... Jedi Journals. They, they, Jedi they, Journals. They look at the comics, too. That's another good podcast. They do. There's I know another they one look. that I heard about, and I can't remember who it is, but uh, he does comics. Yeah. Just comics. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Just comics. There used to awesome. be a Star Wars Marvel comic podcast that just reviewed Star Wars Mar- Star Wars Marvel comics, like uh, from the vintage yeah, yeah, area, yeah. but it kind of petered out, and I think it never came back after like 15 or so uh, episodes. They got a uh, 90-some more to go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'd like to hear them. Um, but for this show, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Stevens, and you're listening to issue six of the Star Wars Spinner Rack. And we're coming to you at the On the Galaxy of Toys stream, where each month on Galaxy of Toys podcast, we discuss and break down the latest in Star Wars collectibles from both the present and the past. And if toys are your thing, you may want to check out uh, my website called FromForlamDeZuckus.com. It's devoted entirely to those lovely Star Wars action figures. Now, as this is a comic book podcast, and we'll be discussing the comic books from for the month of March 2015, we want to let you know that, well, we really don't have a spoiler policy because we're going to be spoiling everything. So maybe that is our policy. So if you haven't read your books from March 2015, you'll probably want to push pause and do that before enjoying the rest of the show. Joining me tonight is, as you've heard already, we're joined once again by the host of Galaxy of Toys, Jason. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. Celebration was so much fun. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, yeah, it was great. I stood in line, and I met that person. It was wonderful. Awesome. Well, Jason, there was that one time that you jumped on that thing. And... I know. Still oh, recovering. That was pretty crazy. Still but... recovering. And that guy, Tom Burgess, from I Grew Up Star Wars, he did those craziest things with his <laughs> 8 million buttons he brought. I, I can't believe he did that strip tease, though. I mean, that was just – I, I didn't want to see that. I, uh, couldn't even fi- I couldn't even find my underpants. Hey, everybody! What? <laughs> it's uh, me! It's it me! It's someone, first- someone let me in. Someone actually I, let me in the uh, back uh, door of the recording studio, and here I am. If anyone's you know still listening – Adding to- absolutely nothing. <laughs> If, Again, if you're listening to this podcast, I think uh, you may want to just turn it off now and maybe go listen to Star Wars Beyond the Films. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Stick around. Stick around. Um, we, of course, are joking because we're recording this just a few days before we head off to Celebration. So, yes, there will be tons of news that you will have learned since last hearing our voices, but we'll make sure to cover those in the uh, next show. Now, of course, also on the line, you heard the uh, Ewok builder himself. Ryan's joining us tonight. How are you, Ryan? Hello. I'm doing quite well. Good. Good, good, good. And uh, from what sounds like a scene out of Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, we have a surprise guest today. Tom Burgess, how are you doing? <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> What's up, everybody? What's going on? Now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you should be warned that uh, Tom Burgess is joining us for a limited time tonight, and he has not read one damn Star Wars comic in years. So, yeah, thankfully, a limited time. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, sh when things get really bad, I'll just show my myself out. <laughs> oh, that's right. So, well, what has happened since uh, last show? We've had a, just a few bits of news come by. Uh, one thing I wanted to clarify is last time during our news segment, we talked about there was a, a couple of comics coming out for the uh, Force Awakens to tie in, to kind of bridge the gap between Return of the Jedi and the Force Awakens. And these are called the Journey to Star Wars Force Awakens. And I just wanted to confirm that there are two titles that we know of so far. And the first one is called Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens Shattered Empire Number 1. And we think that's going to drop sometime around September. So that sounds like that'll be a series of issues that'll tie in probably directly to The Force Awakens. And then the second title, which they haven't really talked about much, it's the other Journey to the Star Wars The Force Awakens. It's a mouthful. It's called C-3PO. So we're going to have some take. We know nothing about it so far. So as of this point, we have two titles lined up to help explain what happened after Return of the Jedi. So we can look forward to that. Of course, like I said, we're recording this just days before Celebration Anaheim, so uh, there's going to be plenty to share. We already know uh, that they're going to be making some announcements on that show, and you've probably either heard them by now, so we'll make sure to talk about those next time. And the last little bit is... Uh, for our news section here is it's just insane that uh, these Star Wars comics, uh, their initial printings are huge. These runs are massive. They're 100, 200, 300,000. We know that Star Wars number one was a million. But despite these massive numbers, these comics are still going back for second, third, fourth. And yes, Star Wars number one, it has been announced, is going into a fifth printing. So even after the first issue, uh, the first run sold a million plus, there's now going into a fifth printing. So that is saying something. Is that, that so is, people can uh, can take those and ch send in their covers to Dark Horse to get the, uh, was it Barbed Wire comic? <laughs> yes, 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 good. I'm glad uh, you brought not, that Not up. an April Fool's Day joke either. That's real. No, and in case you don't know, and Tom, uh, Jason, I don't know if you heard about this. I've read about it. Dark what Dark Horse has done, the person who previously, of course, had the Star Wars license, is on April Fool's Day, they put out if comic book retailers send in 20 of their unsold copies of Star Wars number one, they will then exchange it for an exclusive rare copy of Barbed Wire. Yes, Pamela Anderson's 
you know, motion picture from years ago. She actually, it actually is a comic book character prior to her. You could send in for the new barbed wire number one variant cover. And at first, of course, this dropped on April 1st, and people are like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And then they let a week go by, and they went, oh, by the way, we weren't joking. This is the real deal. So Dark Horse, I don't know if it's having fun or getting a little revenge. I don't know what their purpose is. I'm sure they're still bitter. So seeing, come on, are they not bitter? I mean, look, at we just talked about Star Wars is going into the fifth printing. Millions of these books are being sold, whereas Dark Horse, if you've been listening to Spinarak since issue one, we know that kind of had a kind of a dismal ending. So interesting stuff. Trading comics for comics. Sour grapes. Yes. So, yeah, those are the little bits of news that are out, and uh, there'll be much more, I know. There already probably has been, but we're coming to you from the past. Now, what we're doing here is we're going to be breaking down the comics for March 2015, and we do so with a Star Wars rating system. And one Death Star... That accounts to like the Death Star plans. That means this, the series is okay. It's not the greatest. Maybe they should replan some things, rebuild it. I don't know. Okay, the two Death Star rating is uh, it's good, but it's not great. It's kind of like you know, episode you know six Death Star. It's almost done, almost completed, but still operational. And then of course the Death Star three is the power, the fury of the Alderaan Destroyer, or what did uh, Darth Vader's uh, scrolling crawl say? It's a um, peacekeeping weapon, right? Intergalactic peacekeeping weapon, the powerful Death Star. So three ratings, three Death Stars, it's a golden book. So we're going to drop right in um, on March 4th was our first release, and we're going to get a solid month of uh, comics for in April in March we did one each week of the month and the first one was March 4th we had uh, in addition to Princess Leia number one who we'll discuss here in a second we got our second mini poster which featured comic books that will be coming out in April so that it was a little mini poster that was free giveaway many comic book shops features a couple covers of Darth Vader 4 Princess Leia number three and Kanan number one but Princess Leia, number one, uh, this issue came out with uh, nine variant covers officially by Marvel, and it featured uh, Ryan and I are still holding strong to collecting the action figure covers. Ryan, did you pick up the Princess Leia action figure variant cover? Yes, I did. Yep. Um, so this features the one by uh, the Princess Leia vintage carded figure by John Tyler Christopher. And the solicitation for Marvel number, I'm sorry, I said Marvel, I should say Princess Leia number one says, When Princess Leia Organa was captured by the Empire as a rebel spy, she, was betray she never betrayed her convictions, even in the face of her complete destruction of her homeworld Alderaan. When her rescue came, she grabbed a blaster and joined the fight, escaping back to the Rebel Alliance and helping strike the biggest blow against the Empire, the destruction of the Death Star. But in the aftermath of the victory, the question remains, what is a princess without a world? And now, a message now, This is being written by Mark Wade and the artist Terry Dodson. And they bring us the story of Leia's quest to help her people and find her place in the galaxy. And now, a message... So, 
Princess Leia number one. It starts off what I call the Karate Kid 2 beginning. Do you guys know what I'm talking about here? Karate Kid 2. I haven't seen that since 1987. <laughs> yes, say, say it a few times. It's been a while there, buddy. Say, say it a few more times. It'll come to mind. <laughs> Karate Kid 2, Tom. Karate Kid 2. No, what I love... Still, about, still nothing. Nothing? Nothing? Ralph Macchio? Got nothing? Uh, Danielson, the great thing that I... The thing I loved, I don't know why it stuck with me, but it was the first movie that I recall the sequel picks up the very second that the first film ended. Ah. Uh, so in Karate Kid uh, 2... It picks up like from the like it's like an edit like the next scene even though they filmed it years later, um, it picks up from the exact same scene and this is ex essentially what Princess Leia is doing. She's picking. Back to the Future Two did that. Did they? Yeah, they <laughs> from the they, scene they re yeah. they refilmed the exact last scene the ro of the oh, Rocky. That's right. Yeah, actually, actually, yeah. Back to the Future Three went back a few moments even prior to that. So yeah. the, ro the, yeah. the Rocky movies start. Most of them start right at the last yes, scene of the Rocky of does. The last movie. Yeah, when they're celebrating Except for Rocky Six, from, that doesn't. <laughs> Karate Kid is the one that stick stuck out of my mind since what eighty. That's that's true. That's that's brilliant. Absolutely. So yeah, this picks up essentially right from the A N H celebration uh, ceremony scene, and it takes place right from there. We have Leia. Uh, addressing the troops there in the temple, and essentially then uh, Dodonna comes on and says, hey, people, we've won, but <laughs> the Empire knows we're here. You all have duties to your stations. Let's pack up and evacuate this place. So we see the evac, and uh, the evac is being uh, partly assisted by Admiral Akbar. And I was waiting for, it's an evac! No? <laughs> No, <laughs> I was really bad. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, That's a bad teacher joke, there. Uh, it is. You, you should take that to school. I have a, yeah, <laughs> I have a captive audience when I'm in front of the classroom. <laughs> so yeah, so Admiral Akbar, Dodana, we're evacuating Yavin Base, which makes sense. I like that uh, storyline. But you see here that Leia is adrift essentially because people are expecting her to grieve because she's just lost everyone she's ever known. She's lost her parents. She's lost her kingdom. They've dissolved the Senate, so she's not a senator. She's not a princess because she has no longer a home. So you see Leia kind of, like I said before, adrift, because what, what does she have to do? And she wants to serve, but everyone's like, no, the best thing you can do is just relax, because she has a also a massive bounty on her head. So she struggles, and one of the people she comes up, uh, runs into in her struggles here of trying to do something, but people expecting her to be more sad than she is or uh, down and out. She runs into, I'm going to assume her name is Yvonne. And Ryan, Jason, would you agree with that? E-V-A-A-N, Yvonne? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's always the hard thing with these comics when we're looking at them. Yvonne, or, you know, or... So, Yvonne. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go there. Um, so my, I'm calling my, it Yvonne. My uh, wife call, look, was looking through this comic book, and she, ca she called her female Luke. Because she looks like Stop. Luke a lot, a lot of the time, and she's dressed like Luke a lot of the time. 
Exactly. We'll discuss that, what she turns into or what she gets changed into. Um, you know what she stroked me? Uh, she stroked <laughs> oh, Eddie, whoa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of comic book is this? It's really good. Um, <laughs> you know what she struck me as <laughs> is... Um, She's you want to start over? <laughs> yeah, I think you should start over there, buddy. <laughs> Sorry. Keep it together. <clears throat> you know what she reminded me of is she's this very tall, blonde, and very loyal to the uh, crown of Alderaan. She's, she claims to be a uh, confirmed royalist, and so she's treating Princess Leia like she's now the queen, which... I never thought about that. I don't know why I had never thought about that. Tom, have you ever thought about Princess Leia after the destruction of Alderaan being automatically the queen of Alderaan? Or is it... What's your thought? Um, I guess that would make her queen, I guess, wouldn't it? But then she doesn't have a planet to rule. Yeah, yeah queen of nothing. Queen of yeah, Queen of Nothing, which is uh, actually this uh, story arc is really much more interesting than uh, the, uh, the the old Marvel comic that I'm remembering, Day of the Death Star, where they're just kind of tooling around for days oh, and yeah. days after the Death Star's been destroyed. I read that. Yeah, that's, it's funny that you mentioned this one, uh, Jake, um, because that's exactly where I went to when you mentioned this story arc. Yeah, no. I think they, I like this. I think this one is a little bit more realistic than that one is. No, and this this is a natural step. I totally agree with that. I sure. Totally, yeah, you bet. Evac. You got the base. The whole empire is going to come down on you. Absolutely. So, she's uh, this new character. This rebel pilot, Yvonne, is very a confirmed royalist. She wants to treat Princess Leia and remember the royalty and not forget it and not just be equals or she wants to keep the spirit of the monarchy alive. Now what she reminded me of because she's a tall, blonde, strong uh, woman is who Gwendolyn Christie's character plays on Game of Thrones. And I think her name is uh, Brienne. Brienne, you know what I'm talking about? The big Game swordsman. What's that? Brianna Tarth? Yes. That is who this same type of character came to mind immediately when she started, to like, you know, because uh, Brianna was very loyal once she made her oath to the Stark, right? To, um, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, you went there. I thought you were going to say that she reminded you of Winter from the Legends continuity. That's funny you should say that. Because that segues exactly into the next section. Because what we do is we then see, or is that this issue or the next issue? Nope, the flashbacks come in issue number two we'll talk about in a minute. Come back to that, Ryan. Well, I'm going to talk All about right. that when we come to issue two. Um, but yeah, so we see uh, Leia confronting this Yvonne on why she's feeling distasteful because she and then Yvonne comes up and says well I just don't feel like you're paying respect you want to just move on but you need to respect the royalty and keep the house of Alderaan alive and so she inspires Leia to go on a mission and this mission comes from the fact that now the Imperials are hunting down all Alderanians for uh, revenge essentially for the destruction of the Death Star and so Leia and Yvonne attempt to sneak away in the night where they are going to um, 
pilot a shuttle and track down the remaining survivors, as many as they can, uh, that are left from can, Alderaan. Can we back up for just a second? Yeah. What? How many days? This this takes place, this starts, like you said, right as the first movie's finishing. And how long is that after Alderaan was destroyed? Like a, well, a day or see. two? Well, Alderaan is destroyed when she's yeah. being held captive on the Death Star. We don't know how long she was in a prison cell. What, what, I, what I'm getting at is, right? how did they have time to erect these statues of Bale and Briha? Oriana. Freya, yeah. Oh, that's on, a good point. On, there on is Yavin, a scene with on Yavin uh, base. Like, do they have, like, some massive 3D printer where they just print it out or what? <laughs> but, hey, I, that doesn't really, I guess, it just it just was kind of weird. But go on. <laughs> no, that's a good point. That's Does it a hologram? It I'm looks like a marble now. statue to me. No, it does. You bet. They had someone, yeah, knock those out real quick. Unless... What was I what was I listening to? I was listening to another podcast where it was talking about the the base on Yavin was specifically an Alderanian cell of rebels. So like how we've established in Star Wars Rebels the uh animated series that there's different cells, right? How like even Ezra and Kanan didn't even know that they were part of a cell. And then, uh, you know, Ahsoka's running some other cells. And apparently there's going to be, you know, Calamari, Akbar cells. Well, the one on Yavin, I had heard recently that someone said that it was specifically from Alderaan. That's why there was no diversity in the crowd there. Because Alderaan is apparently mostly all white humans. And so that could be a reason why there's statues there if this is their king and queen. Does that make sense? Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. We should have asked Terry Dodson. We chatted. Uh, we didn't get to chat with him, but we did see a panel he was on at Emerald City Comic Con. That's a very good question. Going back to the story, Leia and Yvonne escape, and immediately once General Dodonna who doesn't want her leaving because she has a bounty on her head, sees that she's fleed, she's flown from Yavin. She sends two X-Wing pilots, and you can probably guess who those X-Wing pilots are. Enter Wedge. Biggs and Porkins. <laughs> oh, wait, they're dead. That would be tragic. <laughs> the spirits of. Um, nope, but Luke and, Luke and Wedge head out to intercept Leia. And Luke has been a little sympathetic to Leia, although he's uh, in throughout this issue because he's upset. Uh, let me shoot this one to you, to Ryan. Uh, Ryan, in the early in this comic, Luke is feeling upset because he knows that Leia is being stoic and not outwardly grieving and sobbing. And he says to her, I just wish you you know, could open up and, you know, I'm a shoulder to lean on. I wish you would lean on someone because you let me lean on you when Ben was killed. What I always, I don't know why, Ryan, tell me if you've ever had an issue. Did you ever think it was weird that in the movies, Star Wars, they, Luke always was more upset about Ben getting killed than he was his own aunt and uncle? Um... It, it is kind of weird. It, it, he seemed to, like, just take it and stride. I, I don't know. Maybe it was more a, 
Yeah, that was kind of last thing. It's like, oh, my God, I've lost my aunt and uncle, and now this mentor that I just met who was pretty awesome in the last couple of days. And it's like everything happened to him at once. I don't know. I, I am more of I love the robot chicken sketch where, you know, he's grieving about Ben, and, and Leia's like, uh, yeah, let's let's grieve about the old man you just met while my entire planet was just destroyed. <laughs> but That's um, a good one. Yeah, it is kind of weird, though. He's been with his aunt and uncle all his life, and he's just kind of like, you know, sheds a tear there at the farmstead and moves on. Okay, I'm heading off a Tatooine. And Ben, he's like all broken up and, you know, like grieving about. Yeah, kind of weird. Yeah. Oh, never never set right with me, but is what it is. Um, so this issue essentially then ends. And it, the way it ends is that uh, Luke and Wedge, in their attempt to kind of stop Leia and Yvonne from fleeing to parts unknown, they get in front of them. While Yvonne purposely goes and bumps a piece of equipment on top of her shuttle uh, up off of Luke or Wedge's wing, and uh, they make them believe that it's part of the hyperdrive. And so they back off, and they're like, okay, you obviously aren't going to go to warp now. We can kind of get out of your way, and let's talk about this. And then right before... <clears throat> go to warp? Excuse me? Uh, <laughs> is, is this Star Trek here? Yikes. Hyperdrive. Come on. I love Trek, too. Um, so they head on into space. They head off into uh, the wormhole. Oh, wait, no. Um, <laughs> into... <laughs> into hyperdrive and one of the last things Leia says is awesome well at least uh, get me to Naboo and so that's their destination for issue number two uh, Jason we'll start with you Princess Leia number one going from the ceremony to blasting away escaping like rogues from the Rebel Alliance headed to Naboo what's your I rating? I it three Death Stars I enjoyed every page every panel all the dialogue, the art was great. I liked this art. I had no complaints, other than I wasn't sure where that uh, statue came from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, where are you at with uh, Leia number one? Uh, I'm going to go at two and a half Death Stars, uh, only because I, I thought it was good, and it seemed to be to getting in the right direction, but not a whole lot happened in this book, and so it kind of felt like, more of an introduction than, you know, an actual story, if you will. So that's the only reason I go two and a half. Two and a half. Tom, you heard the story. What's your opinion on it? Yes, sure. <laughs> I'm going to say you say two and a half. There's, there's absolutely no reason I should be here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with two Death Stars. What did you go with, Ryan? Did they, did they go to you yet? Ryan went two, two and, and a half. half. Okay, um, I'm going to go with a, um, two and a half. Tom's also. like the elderly person that stumbled into the room. They're not really sure why they, they're there. They're just... Tom, Tom's rating is a sun crusher, actually. <laughs> I'm just actually just kind of... I'm the, I'm the old guy that sits in the corner Tom. reading uh, uh, the New Yorker and, and hoping I can fall Tom, asleep soon. Tom's aimlessly uh, roaming the halls of the uh, nursing home right now. <laughs> yes, and asking, asking, asking everybody that I see for help, because I need it. I, too, enjoyed this book. Uh, I'll tell you what, I love comic book art, and Terry Dodson uh, does some fantastic, for me, modern comic book 
style art. I really like his style behind the whole book. Um, I like the way they set up Princess Leia. It made me think about some questions like the fact that she's probably queen now that I hadn't really thought of before. So, yeah, I agree. I think Mark Wade, who had a fantastic run on Daredevil, fantastic a few years ago, um, I think he's keeping up his good work. So I'm going to give this one three Death Stars. Next up, on March 11th, we got Star Wars. Well, actually, what we got is we got Star Wars number two, a second printing, but we discussed that last time. But what we also got was Star Wars number three. And Star Wars number three only came out with a few variant covers this time, but one of them was the Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure uh, cover, which I managed to pick up. Ryan, did you grab this one as well? Indeed, I did. Awesome. Awesome. I had to pay a little more for this one. I'm up to ten dollars on this one. Ask, I think I paid. I think I paid five for this. How one. come you don't ask Tom oh, and I nice. if we bought the variant covers? Because <laughs> Tom doesn't know what a variant cover is, and Jason, you've made it very. Clear. <laughs> I know what a bloody variant cover is. How many variant covers did you buy of that first uh, first uh, comic? Anyway, come on, be honest. I don't think I only have four or five. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. What I did, though, speaking of variant <laughs> comics, uh, we went and um, at Emerald City Comic Con, one of their actual Comic Con exclusives was for Princess Leia number one. They had two versions. They had a sketch cover of a and a um, colored cover of a variant cover that had then, of course, on the back, it had a blank panel that said Emerald City Comic Con. So... It looks like it'll also be the exclusive at Chicago's C2E2 coming up here before too long. So be on the lookout for that, those who are attending C2E2. Okay, also on March 11th, like I said, other than a second printing of number two, we got number three. And the solicitation for this one says, The Greatest Space Adventure of All Time Continues. It's all in caps, so you have to read it like that. The attack on Psy Moon 1 comes crashing to an end. Will the Rebels overcome Vader to strike another blow against the Empire? And is Luke really ready to be the Jedi Ben wanted him to be? So like the solicitation says, this issue opens up uh, with the right continuing the battle on Psy Moon 1. Now, as we discussed last show, we already know how this show is go this battle is going to end because it was already shown in the last issue of Darth Vader. So there was nothing too suspenseful out of this issue. Jason, this uh, battle is pretty much all that this comic book uh, covers. The At one point, Han and Leia, who were in an AT-AT, trying to flee the facility they're trying to blow up, are cornered by a bunch of Imperial... Um, I don't know, vehicles and weaponry, and did you get a look at any of those? Yeah, there's some interesting-looking vehicles, and I guess they're cannon now, right? Uh, some yeah, very strange-looking so. tanks. They look kind of like, I don't know what they look like. They're just kind of strange. And they, Do they look, they look like the top of a toothpaste cap? Yeah. Maybe? Crossed with a AAT? Yeah, something like that. And then there's these little mini-rig things that... Kind in some ways remind me of the uh, mini rig uh, Imperial shuttle. I don't know what that mini rig's called. I never had it, but 
ISP six. Yeah, it yeah. kind of remind. It doesn't look like it, but it it reminds me of it. And if Hasbro was still in the business of making, uh, well, I guess they're still making toys, but if they are still in the business of making, you know, <laughs> Star Wars uh, mini rigs and and cool small little <coughs> good toys. If Hasbro, <laughs> if Hasbro was had it, to, you know, was was in it to win it like they used to be, they'd be they'd be making this little vehicle. I think. Um, you know what it reminds me of, actually, from the side, is the uh, G.I. Joe shark. Yeah. Oh, I could see that, too. Yeah. I could see Which that. Which Hasbro already made. Well, they could <laughs> <laughs> re-release it. Re-release it as a Star Wars toy. Heck, they, they've done things like there, that before. There, there you go. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. On uh, on my website from forlumdesuckers.com, I actually have a whole page dedicated to um, what I call sister lines. And it's any time a toy from another figure line is used in Star Wars or vice versa. And so, yeah, they've crossed over with a number of toys, a uh, number of other to toy lines. Also present here is the ITT, still uh, Imperial Troop Transport, is still a very popular vehicle mm -hmm. now in the new canon of Star Wars. And we have some chicken walkers here, all plotted to take down Han and Leia in their ADAP. Now, while Han and Leia are... Um, dodging these vehicles. Luke's out on a speeder bike. Luke is out on a speeder bike uh, track and down and uh, adding some ground support to those guys who were trying to take down Han and Leia. And uh, we know from last issue that Vader is hot on their trails. Ryan, what did you think of Vader's all-on assault of Vader versus an AT-AT? He freaking took out an AT-AT. Um, <laughs> he didn't need no grenade. He didn't need a tow cable. He took out the thing by himself. Pretty cool. Um, I, I do find it interesting, though. I, I got it. I got the impression last issue that when he got hit in that explosion, like his helmet was, didn't just come off. It was pretty much damaged. But you look at his, him drawn here, he looks perfectly fine. Like all of his armor is in the right place. Nothing looks damaged, which I, I think is kind of odd. Yeah, other than a little frayed cape, I agree with you. He, uh, this seems to be he repaired himself pretty quickly. As did, he, did he have another helmet right there that he could grab or what? You know. Yeah, no, maybe not the most consistent uh, art depiction. From uh, here's here's a question: If a lightsaber can cut through anything, and obviously we see Vader cutting right through the legs here, why didn't Luke do that on Hoth? I mean, he had the lightsaber. No, he uses a cable, goes up to the belly, and cuts open a hole and throws in a grenade. Why didn't you just take out the Achilles tendon of the AT-AT and watch him fall? Good point. It does seem like it was a little harder for Vader because he had to go around to each foot, didn't he? He took out um, one. I don't know. I, I think you take out at least two. You, you, you yeah, got it. probably. You're probably right. Well, he falls a walker with Han and Leia inside, and Han gets beat up pretty bad. It's pulled from the wreckage by Leia, and... They flee on foot into what they call the trash fields, where the Millennium Falcon is currently being picked over by these tentacle-faced monsters. And 3PO is uh, rattling on. He's also talking nonsense from being blasted last issue. So they're trying to flee and escape to the Falcon, which Chewbacca reemerges from, what was it, first issue, where he was fell from that tower that he was trying to snipe Vader from. So Chewbacca, absent last issue, reemerges re here to start 
defending the Falcon and doing repairs on it. Now, as they make their way into the uh, trash fields, Luke is still on a speeder bike, realizes that the factory that they were supposed to blow up does not blow up. So he makes the decision to turn around. He defies Leia, who says, no, you need to stay here. Gives her, he gives him a direct order. He defies it, and he heads off on a speeder bike, which speeder bikes, I feel like in my head, I think that I've heard they go about 200 miles an hour. He rips this right into a building to try to fly through the tunnels into the core. Now, Vader sees him heading to the factory. He knows that he needs to save the factory, so he jumps in one of these G.I. Joe shark-looking ground combat speeders and pursues him at full speed, cannons blasting. This scene didn't sit well with me. I just don't know why, but running speeder bikes through halls of a factory, it just seems, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing to running through trees on Endor, but for some reason in a confined space, I uh, didn't care for it. Jason, what did you think of this scene? Vader hunting down Luke. Uh, I thought it was fun. I, I, I don't know. I think, um, <clears throat> like I said last time, the midi-chlorians have matured in Luke's blood, and that's why he's able to do all these amazing feats, because uh, he's got more force power. <laughs> All right, so much like he doesn't know, he doesn't know how to do it. He's it's just the midichlorians, doing it. obviously. No, you're trying to get Tom mad. I know. Tom left. <laughs> okay, huh? good. He took a nap. We were talking huh? about the midichlorians, Tom. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll have some eggs. <laughs> Go back to bed, Tom. Um, so Luke doesn't think he's going to escape this. He doesn't think he's going to escape it because he shoots at the core. The core starts to uh, melt down. And Luke, even on his speeder bike, as Vader's shooting at him through the halls, I mean, essentially, it's the Death Star 2, you know, scene where everything's burning up behind, around him. He's getting ready to burn up himself. And he shoots out the side of the facility just in time but right before he does he says i'm sorry father sorry i'll never be the jedi you were so you see here luke really really like not even worried about living up to the jedi ben wanted him to be but he's now focused very much on the thought of living up to anakin which you know unless we miss some deep conversations i mean it was a couple lines right that obi-wan dropped on luke about his dad being a great jedi uh yeah I mean, this is his dad that he never knew. He's going to over, over-romanticize that. Okay, okay. I can get behind that. That's a good point, Ryan. It's a good point, Ryan. So the facility blows up, and then what I call it's a Terminator 1000 scene where Vader walks from the wreckage through the fire slowly just to then watch the Falcon take off in the, the distance. So they escape, but we knew they were going to because they showed us this small scene in last month's Darth Vader. Now, the interesting thing, I think, um, before the little tag here on at the end, is Vader more or less making a promise to Luke, who 
not like Empire. He's not talking directly to Luke, but he appears he's talking out loud. He says, the boy, the boy is the last great hope, isn't he, Obi-Wan? He is what you died to protect. He may be strong in the Force, but he is untrained, and who is there left to train him now? No one but me. When I find him, <laughs> when I find him, I will... And when I find him, and I will find him, he will be my weapon, not yours. The dark side always wins, Obi-Wan. You should know that by now. So essentially, he's talking to the spirit of Obi-Wan in promising to... That's for the first time, you know. You, you kind of feel like in Empire Strikes Back, it's like, uh, you know, he's having that thought kind of in the process. No, Luke, join me and together. But here you can see that years in the making, he's already set on training Luke because he's seen all these amazing feats like you said his midichlorians have matured and Vader's going to use those so that is a good point you bring up though Ryan I mean he says out loud who is there left to train you well <laughs> at this point in the Star Wars Rebels show there could be Ahsoka there could be Kanan there could be Ezra <laughs> that, and who knows Shock T could come back they tried to kill her off like three different times but you know, that was all Legends continuity. She can come back now. I always I always took the cutscene from Revenge of the Sith as as what was supposed to be the true story, but But which one? There were two different death scenes for her in Revenge of the Sith. There's the one where Grievous swords are through like the neck at the beginning. Yeah, there was What's another the one. I don't one? I don't remember what Anakin, the other one was, but Anakin I'm pretty sure kills there was... her on one of them. Yes. Yes, it was a hologram of Anakin killing her. Yes, mm -hmm, and then right. uh, she was supposed to be killed then in Force, un uh, Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed, yeah. When she thrown in the Sarlacc, I remember yeah. doing that. And in the Gendi Tartakovsky, she was trapped by Grievous on the planet on Coruscant, and in the animated series, <laughs> did she live? She lived through the animated series, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was in season six, she was in the, um, right, the clone yeah. who had his, yeah, his Nasatuma yeah, removed. She pretty much helped them kill two of the coolest clones ever. She was yeah, lame. Seriously. She like, <laughs> wasn't it? Wasn't it? Was it Fives that had figured out everything, and she still like yep. the, em the emperor? Man, kind of glad he killed all the Jedi. They were lame. <laughs> they were no. Right. I mean, I love Jedi, but yes, they did get corrupt toward yeah. the end. There, even Yoda had his right. faults. Right. So this issue ends with Vader making a promise to Luke, um, and then we have a small tag here on the end. Um, this is what Marvel is excellent at. If anyone who follows the Marvel movies or the Marvel TV shows, they're always going to give you something at the end to make Sam you want Jackson to shows up. <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? Mace Windu's in this issue. Uh, um, no, but the the little bumper at the end is uh, two aliens are trying to discard another dead uh, Greedo on Tatooine. And they uh, make a reference as they're driving by to Obi-Wan Kenobi's hut, Ben's hut. And he says, who lives there? And he goes, oh, crazy old hermit, you know. He goes, don't worry about him. You've got to worry about sand people. And then it zooms in on the hut, and inside the hut we see a box. Um, 
you know, it looks a lot like those boxes that came with the vintage Dagobah playset that kind of levitated, if you know what I'm talking about, those little gray bins. Yeah. And on it is carved in arabesque, uh, it says, for Luke. So, any thoughts on what's in the oh, box? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, Nothing! I think, um, Stupid! Some of, some of the EU <laughs> talked about, um, I know this isn't, isn't canon anymore, but in the EU, be, right before Return of the Jedi... Luke went to Obi-Wan's hut and found instructions on how to build a lightsaber. So, mm-hmm. so I think okay. that's what this is all about. And we had the uh, Obi-Wan action figure from a few years ago. came with a little trunk that inside right. it had a saber and what else? Some rebel, some, you know, Republic insignia stuff. Ryan, is that what you think? It's the crystal to build a saber or something? Um, I think this is the truth for Luke, that, you know, that Darth Vader is his father and all that. Um, and, and the only reason I think this is because in looking at the um, the cover for the next issue, clearly we're going back to Tatooine. We're seeing two sons, but we're seeing Vader. And I'm wondering if Vader tracks down where uh, Obi-Wan lived, and he finds this, and that's how Vader discovers that he's Luke's father. That is a great, great idea. But my concern, I really like that idea. That's great. That would make so much sense, and Vader would have more of a mission. But tell me how you think that is going to go down, because I was trying to put together how would Vader know, based on his brief appearances and hanging out with Luke, who or where Obi-Wan was living at the time. Well, they do know, they, they talk about the Falcon when it came to the Death Star. It, it matched the markings of a ship that blasted its way off of Mos Eisley. Okay. So we, we do that have that. Was that said to Vader? Was that said to Vader or was that a, just a... It was a, said to Imperials, but I could assume that would get up to him. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so, so you can make that link. That's when Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan obviously came on the ship. So they know that the ship came from Tatooine. So he could backtrack to that. We know Vader goes to Tatooine after the events of this anyway. Because that's where he goes in Darth Vader, uh, in the Vader comics, to see Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. Who's not to say that he maybe looks up, was there someone named Kenobi around here? I mean, obviously, the, the two guys jumping Greedo here uh, referred to him as an old wizard named Kenobi. Yeah. I, I, I think he could figure it out. Okay. Okay. Ryan, uh, Jason, is that pretty much on par with what you think? No. No. It's not. Well, how do you think he tracks Obi-Wan to Tatooine? How Vader does? Oh, I have no yeah. idea. Okay. <laughs> I think this box is going to remain there for many years until Luke gets back to it. Well, Open it up and Force Awakens. It's weird that, that, that Obi-Wan would carve for Luke on the box. Seems kind of um, weird to me. But maybe he thought, well, I guess if I die... Well, why wouldn't he have given it to Luke when they were hanging out there... Right. The did, he, did, did Obi-Wan really plan on coming back at some point and giving the box to Luke? Like, I think Obi-Wan pretty much knew this was his last mission. Like, I don't think Obi-Wan hmm. planned on getting out of the Death Star alive. But, I don't know. Yeah, I, could, I mean, I can see what Ryan's theory is about Vader finding it, and I guess that would make sense. But, I, I like the idea that Luke goes back to Obi-Wan's hut after... Uh, his defeat on uh, on uh, Bespin, and just kind of meditates and chills for a couple of years and figures out how to build a lightsaber and stuff. 
course, in Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, they never give characters years to just chill out. Like, there's constant action every day of their life. So, who knows? No, absolutely. They they live a intense lifestyle. I'm thinking though, what if there's an uh just came to me, what if there is a holocron holocron in there? That could be for Luke that kind of told the story of Anakin. Yeah. Because we know that holocrons are becoming more popular here. Uh Sidious collected a couple in the Clone Wars and Kanan carried one around. Maybe it's Kanan's hologram. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know anything yeah. about. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah. We will find out. Next month on the Star Wars Spinner Act. Movie, uh, let's rate this sucker. Star Wars number three. You didn't ask Tom what he thinks is in the box. I think Tom fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, if there was a box... If there was huh? a box in Obi-Wan's hut that said for Luke that was left behind, what I do you think I just hope there's it? some alcohol in there. What? <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Ryan, Star Wars number three, Death Star rating. I'll go with three. I, I enjoyed this book. Three? Very good. I'll go, I'll go with I'll go with three, two. No, you don't. You don't get to vote anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Jason? I'm going to go with two and a half. Um, I like it, and I, I like the ending and everything, but I thought um, it was just kind of more of the same action that was happening. It just kind of it felt too similar to the last couple. Like, I didn't get enough newness out of it. I felt like – I almost felt like I had read – I was like, wait, didn't I already read this? But – so I'm gonna go two and a half. Still, definitely enjoyed it, but uh, can't I can't give it the full three. Yeah, uh, it was just a continuation of a battle that we already knew the ending of, so there wasn't much anticipation. I mean, also we're fighting we're fighting Vader, so there's never gonna be any additional suspense with that because we all know that all our heroes survive, all our villains survive, and even if the villains get hurt, apparently from issues two to three, they can repair themselves instantly on the battlefield. So um, this issue wasn't my favorite. I'm going to go one and a half or two. That's a good question. Um, I'll go one and a half. It wasn't wasn't my favorite. (laughs) Moving. Moving on to March 18th, we get the second release of Princess Leia, two in one month. Um, Same solicitation as before, only one cover variant for this one, so they definitely got all the cover variants out in the first one. So here we have it picking up where uh, Leia and Yvonne are headed to Naboo, and they have a reminiscent scene. And Ryan, I told you to bring it back up to me. You said you had mentioned... Uh, how you thought Yvonne here may have been a winter-like character for Leia. Winter, for those who aren't deep into the EU, she was this white-haired, um, I don't know, what, what what would be her title? She was a best friend slash Bodyguard. protector slash, yeah, uh, of Leia who grew up, uh, who she grew up with. Now, this issue starts off in something we have seen very, very little of, I said little, very little of in the Star Wars 
EU canon legends, whatever you want to say, and that's Leia growing up on Alderaan. So we get a couple flashbacks to her learning how uh, being told as a little girl to eat her, what's the equivalent of a vegetable, and then later on we see her sparring as it looks more like a teenager. She's wanting to spar with a friend, a red-haired friend, as opposed to going and learning uh, languages, to speak languages, because she said that I don't like all that stuff mom does. And it was interesting. During her flashback, she's complaining about, you know, the uh, it's so dull to listen to ambassadors like mother does, and it's just frowning and talking about problems. And I know that Leia here is talking about Queen Brea of Alderaan, but she very well could be talking about Amidala as well. Because the way you read this, and I think that's a great thing again by Mark Wade, is that you could perceive this to her talking about either of her mothers. But again, this is something we've never really seen before, is uh, Bale giving Princess Leia a little teenage prepubescent uh, Princess Leia's lessons in life. Uh, Ryan, any thoughts about that? Um, it's just kind of setting her up, setting up uh, kind of Leia's backstory a little bit. It's kind of nice. I, I, I liked it. I liked it, too. I liked it, too. I thought it was a nice little addition. It's something I wasn't expecting. And you know what? This is the story I really like. I really like them popping back in time. Um, the ability to do flashbacks in comic books is so much more believable than it is in film, especially Star Wars has no precedent for that yet. Who knows what The Force Awakens or Rogue One or any of the spinoff films, if they'll ever use flashbacks in their films. You know, there's been rumors with The Force Awakens, but we won't know until December 18th. Um, but I really th I find it nice and refreshing here in this comic book series. Now, Jason, um, they finally arrive on Naboo, and you had mentioned that Yvonne starts to be, or you said your uh, Kelly started to refer to this character here as the female Luke. You want to explain what she looks like? Yeah, well, I think she's got Luke's... Uh well, first off, it's the hair. It's the blonde hair, and it's it's kind of pulled up, so it makes it look short. And she's wearing, for the last issue and the beginning of this issue, she's wearing the uh, Rebel uh, flight suit. So she definitely looks like Luke. But once they get to Naboo, she puts on the uh, Luke's Yavin jacket, the yellow uh, yellow jacket that kind of has the, uh, I don't know, the puffy little things on the ribbing. Ribbing, yeah, piping. yeah. So she's definitely um, trying her best to look like Luke, but uh, it's it's I, I think it's interesting. I'm not sure why they why they're doing this. Um, maybe the artist is just having fun. But um, yeah. Well, you know, at the same time, Leia's travel garb that she's wearing inside the shuttle reminds me a lot of Padme's well, outfit from the early Clone Wars episodes. Yeah, that's another thing. I was going I, I, I was having, you're talking about flashbacks. I was having a flashback of my own when I saw the cover to this because Leia's kind of dressed like Padme. And the last comic yeah. book I read where Leia was kind of dressed like Padme was that god-awful Rebel Heist comic <laughs> that I've been trying to forget about, but uh, Marvel just reminded me of how much I hated that book. Thank God there's a lot better content in this one than, than the Dark Horse uh, the, the Dark Horse one. Oh, yeah. The, you make up a great point here. The way I perceive 
that Yvonne's character, I keep wanting to call her the Game of Thrones character, um, Yvonne's character here is that I kind of liked it because she has on like to a T, even the black or the brown pants with the yellow, uh, you know, kind of like the blood stripe that Han wears down the side. I, I like the idea that that's not specific to Luke, that that is like a, you know, a casual flight mm-hmm. suit, you know, rebel pilot fatigues, if you will. That's part of their, maybe their dress uniform. Yeah. I, I liked it more as being a standard piece of equipment or a, you know, issue that these rebel pilots would have. And, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was great. Spot on. Because that's what the military would do. They'd dress the boys and the girls just the same. And for Leia, showing up on Naboo dressed in Padme, I thought that was a nice touch, too. I mean, even though it's meant to be subliminal, you know, she's wearing a hood because she's she's incognito. She lands on Naboo under the guise of being like some type of imperial, you know, shuttle, if you will. Uh, we do notice that she does uh, come across a statue of her mother, or a... Or a, um, a painting, glass yeah, glass window of her mother, Amidala. And in her mind, she envisions that it actually turns to look at her. And she's like, whoa, did you see that? So she, right off the bat, when she gets there, she's definitely having some type of connection or moment with her mom there that she doesn't even realize. The, uh, the uh, one thing I want to say about that painting is that the artist totally captured Natalie Portman with that with that panel like it really looks like natalie portman it's amazing you i agree completely i agree completely it is a fantastic um realization of portman in that character absolutely it's powerful it 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 really works for me here again i'm enjoying this book quite a bit and then as she's having this moment here walking around the grounds of naboo which clearly is not under any type of imperial rule. It's been spared, obviously, because it's Palpatine's uh, um, home planet. Now, was there any talk of Naboo in the Tarkin novel? Um, <laughs> I just finished it. I don't remember. No, I don't. I, I don't remember any Naboo. No, no. No. I'm just trying to think if this is our first time kind of journeying into Naboo since essentially the prequels outside of the couple times that popped up in the animated series. Yeah, it might be. Um, I mean, there's Naboo and the Clone Wars and, you know, the, the animated mm-hmm. series, but yeah. Other than that, it's probably the first yeah. time. <clears throat> so on the, uh, the reason she heads to Naboo, we haven't discussed it yet is that there is a group, a cloister of, Alderanians that live there and they're performers, but they're kind of kept in seclusion because it keeps their music and their performance pure. It's some backstory here. It's not important, but the important thing is Leia wants to grab these people and rescue them before the Empire tracks them down. But before she does that, she's ran into what I'm referring to as Naboo's version of Lando Calrissian. He wears purple robes. He's got a funky mustache. And he ultimately is going to set Leia and Yvonne up to fail. As he, um, they ask for his help, he's an Alderanian. He says, yeah, I'll help you. Let me make a call. Oh, yeah, just go to this place and you'll be able to find your performers. And essentially it's a trap. He understands that there's a bounty on her head. 
and he was also tracking Leia to these Alderanians because he knows the Empire will pay for their heads as well. So that's when Leia and Yvonne are confronted by a group of angry, angry, I don't know, thugs or bounty hunters. And Jason, Princess Leia, in her whole five, what, probably four, took on a Dexter Jester <laughs> with a yeah, headbutt. Yeah, my first thought was, like, is is uh, General Krell back to life or something? Like, I really <laughs> thought that for a second. I'm like, wait, is this supposed to be Krell? But it's not. Because he, de he definitely got killed in the Clone Wars, right? Oh, yeah. He was massacred yeah. by the clones, right? They Well, so was Darth yeah, Maul. Right, so right. Knows. So, yeah, I was like, yeah, is it so Krell? No, it couldn't be. So, yeah. No, not Krell. But believable that she could take down a very, very large, what is this species called? A bell... Bella starts with a well, B, I know. This issue did start out with flashbacks of her training. So. Good point. But but her head butt of a of a of a species that has that thick of a skull or what <laughs> looks to be that thick mm -hmm. of a skull. I, that just doesn't make any sense. But uh, anyway. Yeah, no, it is uh is what it is. She yeah. um you know that's it's one canon. thing she didn't really it's canon. It's canon. I mean, she she's going to, in the future, choke out a hut, and a hut's got a pretty fat neck, so she's got to have some some strength in her little form. Um, and, of course, they, uh, with the help of Artu and Yvonne and Leia, they defeat these thugs who are sent to kind of capture them on behalf of Lord June, which is the guy's name who is the essentially the one that's going to betray them like Lando does. You know, um, I just thought of something with her. I just thought of this. With her taking down this uh, giant Dexter Jetster Krell-type character, is that the panel when she's about to grab his neck, you can't see his body, but the panel right below it, you do see the, the uh, Yvonne with a blaster. Maybe Yvonne actually shot him. Right as she was jumping towards his neck, and that's why he goes down so easy. And because she's the confirmed royalist, she's not going to say that she assisted. Right. So she's just going to say, "Good I think, job." I think Good that's job. how I'm going to understand. I don't. I think that's how I'm going to understand this, even though that's probably not what they intended. No. Even though they show him holding his head with stars around <laughs> it, and then just like Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So Leia. Um, Continues to free these people and convince them, hey, convince them, hey, you need to come with me. Uh, Alderaan has been destroyed. I know you haven't heard that because you've been kept, you know, sequestered, essentially. So she has to break the bad news and say, come with me so you're not hunted down. And uh, before she leaves, she doesn't have enough room to take these uh, Alderanians with her. She needs to pay a visit back to Lord June and say, hey, you betrayed me. I should shoot you in the head, essentially. I'm paraphrasing. But instead, do me a favor, give me a transport that can transport 20 in luxury. So he does that. He fulfills that end of the bargain. And so she flees from Naboo with these new Alderanians. But the end tag on this one, a very small one, is one of these Alderanians wants to reach out to her sister. To her sister. You know, knowing that, hearing that everyone's dead, she wants to reach out to her sister, see if she's alive. And her sister is alive. But the kicker is, her sister is actually an imperial officer of some sort, and uh, is telling 
her sister, who is with the princess here, to, hey, stay in touch. Tell me what you're up to. Let's talk every night. You can tell me what the princess plans are. So this is an interesting spin on this book, because you have here Leia's trying to save uh, her people from uh, the Empire, but we never really thought about the fact that there might be some of her people who are the Empire. Ryan, any thoughts on that last little bumper? Um, well, you know, in, in looking at it, you see the, the technician or whatever she is, who's uh, the Imperial officer, um, there's a stormtrooper standing right next to her with a gun, and, I, and I'm not sure if this gal is actually doing this of her own free will or if she's being forced to by the Empire. It's hard to say. That's a good point. I didn't, I didn't take it like that, but I could see how that could be a possibility. Jason? Um... Hmm, I don't know. Um, it just looks like, uh, you know, just uh, two, uh, two s they're sisters, right? Yeah, yes. two sisters on the uh, opposite ends of the uh, Civil War. Yeah, and we'll see, and it looks like one's going to be using the other. Mm -hmm. You never know, though. It's true. She could, uh, she she could get the uh, she could be helping many Bothans yeah. die too. I, another thing I I was looking at this this final panel. The uh, stormtrooper is holding his uh, blaster with his left hand. Um, are most stormtroopers left-handed in the films? I always, it looks like they are, doesn't it? The way they hold their blast. In a New Hope, they, they are. In they the all hope, hold their blasters with the left yeah. hand. Is that like a? Is that you know you know why? Because of the uh, the the loading uh, uh, cartridge for the uh, blaster, uh -huh. it's kind of goofy. Uh -huh. And if they held it the other way, they'd rub it against their arm. I knew there was a reason we had you on oh, the show. Oh, interesting. See, Tom, you served a purpose. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I, knew, I I aim to please. Now everybody. I know. Now I because I've always wondered, like, does a stormtrooper have to be left-handed? Because I've I've always thought about that. That's a yeah, great. yeah, it's uh, it's goofy as hell. I've I've got one of the one of the uh, blasters here, uh -huh. and I was wearing armor at the time, and it was like kink, kink, kink. It's like oh, so there's that's the reason why they uh, why they do that. So, hey guys, my nurse is here, and uh, she's going to uh, be tying me down for the evening. So <laughs> I've got to go. Okay. Thanks Good so much, to Tommy. You. See you later, guys. Yeah, Bye, man. everybody who's listening to the Spitter Rack. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Tom Burgess, I grew up Star Wars. When's he going to give us another podcast? We need to Don't, get one from I'm, him. Out I'm getting to it. I'm getting oh, to it. Good, good, good. Maybe, uh, well, this will be after celebration. So at this point in time in the future, you'll have a lot more free time. We'll hope so. <laughs> I won't be making any more damn buttons, that's for I sure. I was going to say, you won't be making any, any more of those 3,000 buttons or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, right. We're going to do some Force don't, Awakens don't, party. Don't talk, Bendem Bizey. For every, <laughs> for every 20 uh, unused iGrowUpStarWars.com buttons you, t you give me, I will give you a Galaxy of Toys button in return. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, boys. See you, see you later. Night. All right, Jason, run it down. Death Star rating for Princess Leia number two. I give it three Death Stars. I really like Princess Leia. This is a good series so far. All right, Ryan. I'm going to go three as well. This this jumped right in where I, I really wanted it to go. Uh, I enjoyed it. Oh, 
Perfect. I have one complaint, yep. though. And this isn't... Hit it. Okay, is this like the third month of Star Wars comics, right? This issue? Yep. Okay, here's my only complaint about the Star Wars comics so far. The back page is an ad from Hasbro. A nice ad showing uh, Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader, the 6-inch figures, the Black Series 6-inch. Mm-hmm. Why the same ad on every comic for the last three months? Do they have no, no other ads they can print? That's pretty, that is pretty standard. Uh, Jason, I even go back through your long box sometime of your Dark Horse, and you'll notice that the, they do a couple months at a time. I just want to see something different. Procedure. No, I Me agree. Me too. I, 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 yeah, I'm too. with you. I haven't, well, we haven't seen a, a real proper Star Wars three and three quarter action figure. I think we've talked about this before on Galaxy of Toys. We haven't seen a real proper ad for them, no. the three and three quarter action figure line, since I think the Clone Wars line. Like, I think red or, red or blue cards. Yeah. Uh, the vintage, so the, nice the, last, the, last, the, the last three and three quarter inch ad I can remember was for the vintage line. Oh, like around right. 2010, 2011. You're right. That's that's. But that was still. Let's see. Clone Wars was an eight. That means, yeah. It's like so five years. Ten or eleven. Ten or eleven was the same yeah. era there yeah. for so Clone Wars like, as well. So it's been so, like yeah. four years, four or five years. Yeah, it's a long time. I know. I'm hoping um, Force Awakens will change that. Maybe that's a question I should ask at Celebration. Yeah, get some new ads, Hasbro. When? When? Which, when? <laughs> which has already happened. Um, <laughs> did you ask them? What did they say? I want to know. <laughs> look for our answers tomorrow. No. No, their answer is just going to be stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. All right, March uh, 25th gives us our last comic of the month, and uh, this is Darth Vader number three. It only featured two variant covers, so we're slowly decreasing our cover variants. No action figure one for this one. And the solicitation for this one says, when the Dark Lord needs help, who can you turn to? Meet Afra, the galaxy's foremost raider of lost weaponry. Plus, could these be the deadly droids she's looking for? And... Darth Vader number three opens up. And Ryan, I'm sure you were loving this. Jason, I may have heard through the grapevine you haven't read Darth Vader number three. (laughs) I've been trying to read Darth Vader number three. So it comes out. I go to my comic book store. He said, I'm sorry, we sold out. Like I was there, like what, four or five hours after they opened? He had already sold out. He said, and this was like three weeks ago, right? Two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, he said. Uh, it was right. He said. City. He said, but don't worry, I've got plenty more ordered. Just come back next week. I came back the next week. Sorry, none yet. Come back the next week. Uh, sorry, we're still sold out, but we should have more eventually. I've been going for like two or three weeks trying to find this issue. It's completely sold out. He has, and I know at the time we're recording this, we're not discussing Darth Vader 4, but he has Darth Vader 4 already, plenty of issues. It's just something about this issue just, uh, you know, people snag it right away. It, got, just, it just got swallowed up. No, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right because that is what, um, at Emerald City Comic Con, my local comic book shop, uh, Atomic Comics in Tacoma, Washington, fantastic shop, but he helps, uh, uh, he runs a booth at, 
Emerald City Comic Con, and he also helps uh, sponsor the con. And he had asked me, he goes, hey, have you heard about how crazy Darth Vader number three is? Because I was getting ready for the convention because uh, we were doing the panel, so mm -hmm. I hadn't run into the uh, comic book shop that week. And I have a box, so it's already in the box. I didn't have to worry about that. But he goes, have you heard how crazy it was? And I'm like, no, I haven't. He goes, in the first day, it was already selling out like universally and that they were already online for 10 and $15, just yeah. the basic, basic first version. Yep. So, Here. yes. It, you know, Jason, what, what you just cited there is the exact reason why I have a box now. I got one today. When we were, <laughs> yeah. When, when we were doing the Dark Horse comics, there were some of those, uh, I think it was the Darth Maul issues. I had a terrible time trying to find those. I was going to five, six, seven comic book shops, could not find them. And um, so when we got, when we started with the Marvel stuff, I said, I'm getting a box. And, and I selected a comic shop I wanted to go to and, and decided uh, where, you know, that I was going to get a box there and signed up for it, paid for it and everything. And, uh, you know, I walk in now and they've got them ready for me. Yeah, so. yeah I decided to do that now, too, because um, it's just uh, it's too hectic if you don't. I do like picking them out off the rack, though, because he said, well, if you have a box, you know, just get them from the box. Don't go to the rack and get one because that'll screw the box up or something. So, I, But I said, well, that's sure. not as fun. He's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> But anyways, yes, I did the same thing now. So um, for future episodes, I should not have the same problem. I remember the one issue that I had to search for, and it's ironically, I only found it like three months ago, was the second issue of uh, Dark Empire. When Dark Empire came out, Dark Horse, back in 92... I could not find the second issue forever, forever. Not until this this year, 2015. I had bought second prints and third prints and whenever I found them, but I had never found a, like, in a used store or a comic book shop issue number two. So there are those comics like that. I don't think Darth Vader will be, I mean, I'm sure people will get more of these. These things are you know being printed like we already talked about. These things are going back to print many times, but... Now, what was the big deal then about this issue, Ryan? I'm sure you picked up on it very, very quickly, and for Jason, you haven't read it. Essentially, this issue opens with Raiders of the Lost Ark, but a very technological space I was thinking more Mission Impossible. Well, if you notice, he, uh, Af it opens with Afra sneaking into a Quarantine World 3, and she has to blow some like dust across uh, the uh, walkway that she's on to see if there's lasers, and she kind of crawls through this area. She kind of uh, decrypts this vault. She pulls out this... Um, triple zero personality matrix. That's what she's hunting down. She crawls out. She accidentally triggers one of the lasers and has to sprint her way out of it, kind of like when Indy steps on the stone and has to get all the, or the, actually, no, the idol, the idol falls, and then all of a sudden the place starts uh, shooting poison tip needles and darts at him. So is so the then, destroyer droid the boulder then? Absolutely. If you take a look, it comes. She starts rolling through a corridor, and Jason, I still don't understand this, uh, so don't ask me to clarify. But <laughs> she's running down a corridor, and she looks back over her shoulder, just like Indy, and this huge destroyer droid in a bubble starts rolling toward her. That's the shield of it. That's what I was thinking. 
but it, it, it's but when it's coming when it's first rolling out it's not rolling straight it's not like it's you know it's not like you know how they roll forward it's like well, on its side like it's like literally a big bubble <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe it's their bowling ball that they use there or something yeah and then she literally uh is running from this thing slides through a closing door just in the last minute rolls through the only thing they didn't add was her grabbing her cap and pulling it back through underneath the door. So it opens up in a very Indiana Jones-esque uh, way, and uh, she's then confronted by a bunch of um, super battle droids. So here, another reference to the prequels. we got destroyer droids and super battle droids, and a guy from, what do we call these guys again? Uh, the Utani? They yeah, are the, something like that. The, the, you know the planet where Leia gives birth, the... The asteroid. Amidala gives birth. Sorry, Amidala gives birth. Uh, those little no-faced people. Well, he apparently is. Uh, they have some history, and he's scolding her, and she's saying things like Indiana Jones would say, but the opposite. You know, people like you just want to lock things like up, like this up, uh, to hide beautiful things in storage or a museum. So she's here to kind of free them. <laughs> So she's getting uh, essentially arrested, and at this time, Darth Vader arrives in his uh, prototype tie, and he proceeds to make short work of these guys who are trying to arrest Afra. And he even kills this little Utani, and he approaches the Afra and says, Dr. Afra, I have need of you. And so she takes him back to his base, or her, what, what do we call it? It is her Archangel, is what she calls this base that uh, may, might be a large ship. I'm not sure. It has a unique design. Uh, Vader docks his craft in it. And the she front kind of it of, almost reminds me of Slave 1 a little bit. But. It is a very, very big one, very large one. So it must have been parked outside of this little asteroid facility that she was trying to uh, break into. But Vader essentially tells her that he uh, he has recently come across her some of these droids that she specializes in, because we kind of be uh, in the conversation here, we find that she specializes in creating essentially different types of assassin and battle droids. And she has a doctorate in these neural cybernetic uh, designs that she does. And Vader is looking and he makes the cool, cool statement that says, I once used to, I used to command armies, but now I'm in need of, uh, but that's no longer the case, and now I'm in need of some of my own. So he's looking at her to kind of build, essentially, what we assume would be some type of droid army that he could control. Ryan, um, this Dr. Afra here, makes herself out to be a huge Darth Vader fan. So right there, we know that she's morally um, askew. Well, what did you Are think you of... saying I'm morally askew? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I'm saying that she is looking at Vader kind of with googly eyes. Did you picking this up? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. You know, and, and you know what Vader is? Vader is not necessarily like doing anything to scare her off 
Um, you know how he threatens most people, especially in these comics uh, that we've read of lately? Um, she says, you are even more interesting than I could have hoped, Sir Vader. He says, Lord Vader, continue. I mean, he's almost being polite to her in a sense, whereas um, not necessarily deflecting any of her attention that she's definitely uh, interested in. I mean, could we see, is, this, is Vader going to get a girlfriend? No, no. I think he's just—he's just going here for. Um, he, she's got something he wants, pretty much, and she can do what what he wants. And probably he's thought this through. Is you know, maybe he's researched and found out that she's a fan, so he doesn't feel like he needs to go in threatening. He can just go in and just ask. There, there are some comedic points in here, though, which make this a a lot much more lighthearted than I expected it to be. Um, at one point she said, I want, how do you find me anyway? And then he kind of stares and it goes to all these flashbacks of him just punishing people, throwing them off, spearing them, killing them. And then it still goes back to her and she goes, actually, I probably don't want to know. So there are some funny beats in here. And also he's kind of talking with his arms crossed, kind of like he's like he's relaxed in a sense. I don't know. The way they portray this is this is a a vulnerable side to Vader. And a little more Anakin of Vader. Yes, yes. And you know what? And the three of us, Jason, uh you and I had the ability to talk with the uh author of this book just briefly at Emerald City Comic Con. Kieran Gillian is the author on this book. Um and we had mentioned that to him, that we really liked that this book was bringing out a different side to Vader, almost an Anakin. And he said, he tended to agree with us, so that was one thing that he was kind of looking at doing. And here I see that he is doing a very nice job with that still. But while uh, Vader and Aphra are having this kind of interplay, this mild conversation, she is puttering around with two droids. One of them is a C-3PO-looking protocol droid, who she puts this... Uh, piece that she stole in the beginning of the comic into, and what it turns this uh, droid into is triple zero or OOO, and he's essentially a protocol droid that specializes in not only etiquette and customs and translation, but also torture and death and murdering. And so she tells him she she tells him to refer to both Vader and herself as master. And he goes, oh well, then I better be nice to you because if you didn't say that, I might have uh, murdered you due to old habits. So apparently, she the reason she recovered this little matrix chip is because it creates a murderous personality in whatever droid it um, inhabits. Now, the reason she wanted this murderous droid in the first place is because she has this astromech droid who only speaks a certain language that this droid, this triple zero, now can speak now that it has this personality matrix. But uh, we find out quickly that it's not your normal astromech droid. She actually refers to it as, wait for it, a blastomech droid. That's right. This, this astromech droid is designed to blast and destroy and fight. It immediately reminded me of Hasbro's action figure from the Power of the Force 2 line, R5-D4, where inside R5-D4 was this massive missile. It doesn't open up in the same way, but that's exactly what came to mind. So that's essentially where this uh, issue ends. Va uh, Vader has now adopted these two droids, these death-deadly warrior droids. Aphra is essentially pledging her service 
to creating for Vader an army that he could now use for personal projects, most likely probably hunting down Luke and, and other things. Um, Ryan, any overall thoughts on this Darth Vader number three? Well, it was interesting. Like, we see him getting in and typing in the computer to take care of something for her to make something happen. Um, he almost, it, it, I, I don't know, it's me reading something, and he seems kind of uncomfortable in being nice, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, he does something but then turns away, like, this is me, you know, that type of thing. But clearly, you know, he's getting what he wanted, and, and they're going to Geonosis next. I like the pairing. I, I think it's fun. We've got Vader and his fangirl, basically, going off on a mission. She's clearly, um, uh, clearly, uh, let's say, amorous toward him, if you will. She's, or maybe not amorous is, is the best way to do it, but she's, uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah, Twitter pated maybe even. Yeah, uh, you know, and and um, and he's, I think he's kind of like, well, th this woman will suffice for for what I need here. And they're off to Geonosis, and I liked his, his line is, I have no feelings regarding Geonosis. Uh, yes. Very interesting. Um, I, this is fun. I, I really like where it's taking Vader. He's just not calm, cool, collected killer, but they've added something more to it. Yeah, you know, in this, in this book, uh, Jason, I'll pose this to you because you don't need to read it to know it, but have you ever thought, and we're not going to talk about the physical aspects of it, but Darth Vader having a sexuality after being Darth Vader? No, I pretty much thought that he had most of that burned away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's I never the thought about part. That. It's the physical part, but we never really thought about like you know, he's still a, you know, I know he's more man than machine, but he's still got some man. He's probably still got some, you know. We know that he's forever tortured about the love of his life being lost. Well, here's another beautiful woman that's really into you. Hey, that kind of feels good. I don't know, you know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. We'll see. He's on the rebound. So. <laughs> it took, <laughs> took about 15, 20 years, but we got there. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it was really a new and well-done take on Darth Vader. So props to Karen Gillian. He seemed to, when we spoke to him briefly and when we watched him at uh, the Marvel panel, he seems to care about this character. I mean, he, he you know, he's respecting the dark lord of sith and he's not he, he's he's stretching our perception of him without like creating something that we just haven't ever seen you know something unrecognizable so really nicely done uh ryan thoughts are rating on darth vader number three oh three death stars i really enjoyed it and i will mimic that rating three death stars absolutely I'll, jason I'll, I'll turn in my rating next time teacher Absolutely. You will get a uh, 25% deduction for late work. But, um, yeah, I think you'll uh, – I'm looking forward to hear what you think about it, Jason, because it's a good book. It's a really good book so far. I think we've, I think we've all liked Star Wars – I mean, Darth Vader, each issue we've rated pretty highly. Yeah, uh, I've so liked, I, I like the first two for sure. Yeah. No, and I'm – this one right here is – uh, holding up, whereas I feel like Star Wars has stumbled a little bit. Princess Leia is going strong in two issues. Darth Vader is going strong in three. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, we're off to our next uh, location. It's kind of like we're hitting all the highlights early on. 
And I think we discussed this. We may have discussed this in a chat a long time ago, but we discussed when we heard about the solicitation for these months ago. We're like, oh, man, Leia's going to Naboo. Vader's going to Geonosis. And I think we were all kind of like, ah, that just doesn't sound like that's going to be a, you know, why are they doing that already? But here, it's working for me, and it makes sense. They want to, Vader needs a droid army. She's like, well, I've got some leads on some droid armies. We'd have to go to Geonosis. Geonosis, and Vader's like, yeah, that makes sense too, so, yeah, I like what they're doing, I like what they're doing, three stars, Vader, and that would be the final book for March, um, yeah, not really any odds and ends to pick up uh, this month, there wasn't really any extra uh, comic-related material, we know that uh, the UK and Germany are still getting those Rebels, Star Wars Rebels uh, magazines that have comic content. No word if those are coming yet to uh, the United States. Well, maybe. It depends. I'm going to ask Titan at Celebration, so we may already know that answer. The final thing is just broke today. This uh, morning was, uh, looks like Star Wars number four, which is coming in April, uh, is going to be getting two action figure variant covers. The first one was announced uh, last week. That was Chewbacca. And the one announced this morning was Boba Fett. And the artist for Boba Fett actually threw it up on his website for pre-order and he said it was limited to 5,000 copies and after just a couple hours over half were sold through. Is that a lot or a little for these variants? I'm, I'm not sure what in the comic book world if that's a lot of issues or is that just a few? I believe that's a few because most of these issues I think uh, are coming in between one to 300,000 issues. Uh-huh. So if you just say now you only have 5,000 of those are your variant cover. My next question is why do they skip so many figures and jump to Boba Fett? You know, that was my first thought too. That was my first thought too. And comicbook.com had an interview with him this morning. And he he sounds like a great guy, someone we should probably explore having on the show um, at some point, either this one or Galaxy of Toys, because he grew up with the Star Wars action figures. And uh, that was... Uh, something that I thought too because so far we all the covers that they've announced so far have all been within the first 12 Kenner figures and now we already dropped uh, jumped to what the 21st figure yeah yeah so they're taking their notes from gentle giant hmm I know why you're bitter (laughs) Jason's favorite character was skipped so far in gentle giants so over time, we'll see a Lobot, I'm sure. I, do, I don't have faith in that at all. I know you guys keep saying that, but I do not. There's They've never, Gentle Giant, Sideshow, none of these high-end companies have ever done a Lobot. And I have no reason to believe they'll ever do one in the future. <laughs> so sad. So sad for those thousands <laughs> of thousands of Lobot collectors out there. <laughs> Oh, all right. Uh, wrapping up the show. 
You know, I do, before we go, I want to give a, just a shout out to some of our Facebook friends. Um, this show actually couldn't even be possible because they do a lot of the hard work uh, for me and I just get to sit back and enjoy their coverage. And that would be two Facebook sites. One of them is Star Wars Comics and you can find that at facebook.com backslash SWComics. That's ran by Carlos. We need to get you on the show sometime, Carlos. Um, and he does a great job at tracking all the things with Star Wars comics, cataloging all the variant covers, creating albums online. It's really a great resource. The other one is Star Wars up-and-coming books and comics. They are a great Facebook site, and uh, they are connected to, I think, Star Wars Timeline is their uh, website that they use. But there they track every single comic, Star Wars base coming out each month, and as well as books and magazines, but they have a great comic section. And with that, next time on Spyro's Spinner Rack, you can look forward to seeing Kanan, The Last Padawan, number one. We're going to be getting Star Wars number four. We're going to be getting... Sorry, uh, Star Wars number four and Princess Leia number three. And we are getting one Legends Epic Collection, which is just reprint of Dark Horse material. It's called The Empire, Volume 1. So that's what's on board for uh, April 2015. And hopefully some celebration news. Yes, so it's tons of celebration news. We already know there's going to be a huge announcement, so we're looking forward to it. I'm assuming it's going to be Force Awakens. That's what I assume. Thanks so much for listening to Star Wars Spinner Rack, issue number six. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at the Galaxy of Toys. And to listen to previous episodes, you can tune in and find us on iTunes, Zoom, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on Podbean at galaxyatoys.podbean.com. You can also send us an email and contact us through galaxyatoys at gmail.com. We appreciate you taking the time and listening to us and look forward to chatting with you online. And until next month, may the force and the funny books be with you. <laughs>